how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. Raleigh Searns originally wanted to be a musician, but as he started to visit sets, he knew screenwriting could be his in into filmmaking. Today, he's best known for being the writer-director on The Art of Self-Defense in Duel. In The Art of Self-Defense, Jesse Eisenberg stars as Casey, a young man who gets attacked on the streets and decides to join a local dojo. In the movie Duel, Karen Gillan stars as Sarah, a woman who opts to clone herself after she receives a terminal diagnosis. But once she survives this ill fate, she learns she must duel her clone to the death. In this interview, Riley talks about making short films, taking them to festivals, how he mimicked Tarantino and Edgar Wright early on to learn the format of screenwriting, the blessing of misplaced confidence as a young filmmaker, and how he developed his dark comedic style. I, in high school and, and early, or I guess late middle school, I wanted to be a musician. Specifically, I wanted to be a bass player in like a rock band. I idolized Primus and, and bass frontmen sort of thing. So that was my goal and realized that even though I could play kind of decently, I wasn't good at writing music. And so I, I met my ex-wife when I was 17. She was working as an actor already. And in visiting sets, I started to see like that maybe that could be something that I could get into and specifically the writing part of it. I'd always had an, an idea that I was like an okay writer, nothing crazy and nothing special, but like, I was like, oh, that could be the thing that, that is my end to filmmaking. I started writing scripts, uh, like started with shorter things and then progressively started writing some uh, longer, more narrative things. And I, they were not good. And I thought they were, and people read them who I am very sorry now to this day that they had to read all of those really like practice runs at, at writing. Um, but eventually after years of working at Urban Outfitters, I finally got a job as PA in a writer's room. And every single job after that like came from the relationships I would make in that specific room. So I was in a writer's room as a PA and then I was an assistant for a show to the writers. 
Then I was a showrunner's assistant on another show. Uh, and then finally worked my way up to staff writer on, and I'm wearing a hoodie from it, Tower Prep, which was a Cartoon Network show where they experimented with, with live action and their hour long episodes and wrote uh, two episodes that were completely rewritten. Uh, and just like the fact that they were directed by somebody else, I just realized that if I was going to write and kind of come up with a, a narrative and a vision, I should also maybe see that vision through to the end and, and have it be more me. And so I started working at directing my own shorts. And the third one that I made, I uh, got into Sundance in 2013. And that led to meeting the producers who would make my first feature and have kind of been plugging away every few years at, at a feature ever since. When you were doing some of those, you know, job to job, trying to kind of find your footing and that type of thing, what kept you going? Did you just see it as inevitable that if like, well, if I just keep making things, eventually something will maybe break through? Like, how did you kind of, what was your thought process during, during those times? Man, it's hard to think back exactly where my head was at at the time, but I think I had this like dumb optimism that, like you said, eventually it'll work out. And I probably had moments where I wasn't sure if that was the case and probably had moments that I thought I should maybe have some backup ideas. And I guess at that point I was already technically a professional writer, even though it was only one show. So I, I think in, if anything, if the directing didn't work out, I probably had this dumb idea that, well, I can at least get back on a staff, but I wasn't repped by anybody at that point, especially when making shorts. So uh, who's to say what would have happened? But um, yeah, I just always kind of knew that I was a good person, a hard worker, and that even though like people talk about how it's kind of who you know, not necessarily what you know, there, there is a truth to that, uh, but it can only get you so far. And I feel like once you get your foot through the door, you have to still put in the work and you have to be good at what you do. And I think I always felt like I was, um, especially just in terms of, of playing the game with other people and making sure that, that people felt uh, taken care of, whether I was an assistant or in a room, feeling like I was giving good uh, ideas to the group and being a supportive uh, person rather than being one of the people who's just like always like, well, that wouldn't work. Uh, always trying to find the positives and everything I think was important to me. So yeah, I don't know uh, exactly where I was, but I think I probably had this misplaced confidence that things would eventually work out. Do you think, I usually ask this question kind of later in the interview, but this was maybe 10 years ago, you were writing on Tower Prep and doing some of these submissions. Do you, do you think it's changed in the last 10 years? Like, would you go about it the same way today? Would you try to be noticed on YouTube as opposed to the circuits and that type of thing? I think personally, uh, I mean, I can't say if I, if I was a younger person right now, maybe there is this value in YouTube that I would have been able to see. But if I went back and did it all right now with the same sort of mind, I think I would still go the short film route um, mm -hmm. and try to go festivals. I, I feel like if I hadn't gotten attention with festivals, I, I was always eventually posting my stuff. I say always, it was a couple of shorts before the Cub, but I was posting them eventually on a Vimeo, which I don't use anymore, or like a YouTube. Uh, and in hopes that maybe something would have broken out, like the Daniels who have everything everywhere all at once right now in theaters that's just like blowing up. You look back to Interesting Ball, and I don't know that that played a ton of festivals or if, if they if they played festivals with it uh, that they weren't necessarily like the biggest ones but that short got online and just 
completely changed everything for them. And uh, I know that their music videos are popular, but Interesting Ball really set the tone for, for them going forward in terms of a narrative project. And so I think that there's value in that. But I, I always recommend to people who, especially who are making narratives that they want to be in theater someday, that they want to uh, make a television show that speaks to them or some sort of a new voice, that they really need to practice in a short form narrative uh, medium first, uh, specifically just to not waste money while you're finding your voice. And so that's the route that I would still recommend to other people. And I guess it was the, it's the route that I would probably still take. To kind of elaborate on like, when did, when did you start to find your voice? And did you have some pitches before you made the shorts? Because I can imagine that describing your tone can be difficult if you haven't just seen your work. Yeah, I didn't pitch anything before the shorts because the stuff that I was writing, I feel like every script I was copying some other writer's voice that I respected and thought maybe this is my voice. And then I would finish it and I'd be like, okay, I can be a chameleon, but I, these aren't me. And so like I had a script, my, my, I want to say my first script was probably a ripoff of like a Michelle Gondry thing, but not good. Uh, everything is going to have not good after it. So I'll just like warn you there. Then I, I had a script that actually got a little bit of attention weirdly that was a very, very low budget Tarantino ripoff of like intersecting storylines that wasn't good. And then uh, I had a script that I feel like was a Michael Bacall Edgar Wright ripoff of Scott Pilgrim uh, that took place in an urban outfitter sort of place that also happens to be the gateway to hell, wasn't good. And I look at all those as, as like practicing with the uh, format and medium of screenwriting, but not necessarily knowing who I was yet. So uh, I made a short called Cask Before the Cub. And that was me experimenting with a little bit more of a dry tone. And then after that, when I made the Cub, I, I just knew that that felt like me. And it was a hard thing to describe to other people. I remember people reading the script and being like, okay. And I, for some reason, I again, misplaced confidence seems to be an, a theme. But I, I finished the cub and just was like, I think this is going to get into Sundance. And I had a filmmaker uh, who, I uh, forget his name, he, he was a photographer. He also had a short that year. And I remember mentioning that to him, again, just a dumb statement. I think this film is going to get into Sundance and him being like, do you know how many films apply, especially shorts? And maybe like, I just have a feeling, I don't know why. Cause it felt like I figured out me. I felt like I was actually speaking from my self and not trying to mimic somebody else. Uh, and lo and behold, it got in. And I would never ever recommend people think that way, but it was nice that that confidence was backed up in Sundance saying, this is something that we see uh, feeling new and feeling uh, original. Uh, and I think that the cub was where that confidence really was boosted. And I was encouraged to go down that path even more, maybe held back a little bit on faults because I had my first feature, because I knew that I needed to get it off the ground and going too wild too soon might not have played, but uh, it was at least a step in the right direction and, uh, and, and it ended up working. Yeah. In terms of the writing process, did you find it difficult to go from shorts to full features? Um, was it was it hard to expand on some of your ideas or do you think all of your shorts kind of could have even went further? Like, how do you think about the idea process that way? The Cub is five minutes long and it's a, a setup and a punchline. So I, I don't think you could ever make that short into a feature. And uh, I, I, I do think that 
the transition could be different in some ways, but if anything, I think it's easier to write features than it is a good short. Shorts are incredibly difficult because you've got such a specific amount of time in which you have to get across a lot of ideas or one very good idea uh, done just perfectly. And, and when they don't work, you feel it. Like I've been in shorts programs where, and some people might argue that my short doesn't work, but I, I like where it goes and I like what it says in its short runtime. I've been in short programs where you watch something and you're just like, you know right away it's not working. And then that short film that's 10 minutes long that doesn't work can feel longer than a 90 minute feature that works really well. So I, I think it's actually harder and trickier in some ways to do a proper short, one that really connects. Uh, but uh, it's not to say that features don't have their, their challenges. I just think that they're specifically, it, it, there's more, more room, you're given more freedom to like discover the voice as it goes along because people are predisposed to say, I, it's gonna be an hour and a half of my life. Uh, as opposed to, I just feel like the get in and get out of a short, you kind of have to be hitting on all cylinders at, at the, the very get go. And so I, I made a short during COVID that uh, was when we were still in full lockdown with a friend of mine and I ended up acting in it too, which uh, to, to varying results, I would say, but I, I like that when I went back to that, that form, I found myself going like, oh man, this is challenging, but in a way that I really enjoy. And, and I'm really proud of that one, despite the fact that it was shot on an iPhone and, and with limited resources. And I shot, edited, uh, uh, did everything myself other than the score and the color. Um, it, it was a nice exercise again, but I remind myself how hard it is at the same time. Did that, even that like small acting experience, did that change any, anything about the way you think about characters, the way you write characters? Do you do that now? Do you kind of get into the mind and talk to yourself a little bit or anything? With my stuff, sort of not. I, I think that the tone and the worlds kind of don't really, like it's not to say that there's not an emotionality with a character or that there's not um, something beneath everybody because I think that every character in my movie still is a person at the at the heart of things but the way that with in which they uh, interact with other people tends to be an emotionally removed sort of way mm -hmm. so even if they're feeling something they don't tell people that they're happy or sad it's just like everything's sort of matter of fact so uh, a thing that that I did for myself in my short was that uh, I, I took advantage of the fact that we were all wearing masks and so in the short it's sort of a like alternate reality COVID story. So we're ne we never say the word COVID. We never talk about pandemic or anything, but the two characters are wearing masks. So I'm wearing a mask so that any line of dialogue that didn't really work, I could always just replace it with another take where I did a better job. Right. And then I also wrote it to where I'm holding a script for the movie in my hand in the movie. So I got to read and like refresh myself. So if anything, I made it as easy as possible for myself and, and didn't get the full actor experience um, but one thing that did help is that I accidentally had to cameo in my new feature duel, uh, because an actor who we had cast, uh, uh, in Finland when we were shooting there called in sick one morning and said, sore throat. We were like, don't come to set <laughs> and right. immediately knew that I was going to be in the movie. So I would have been afraid to step in front of the camera and I was a little nervous, but I at least had a sense of, uh, uh, like, I couldn't do this, even if it's not going to be great, it's at least not going to be the worst thing in the world. So before we get to duel, because I don't want to go into that plot since it's coming out and everything, let's talk about the art of self-defense for a minute. What was the origin of this story? Where did the idea come from? 
After Faults, uh, my first feature, I, I was going to festivals and, and enjoying the release of that and kind of told myself that I didn't want to, to like start on something else right away because I may not ever get this experience again. I had always kind of told myself if I got to make one feature, then that I'd be happy. And um, it's funny how I really believe that, but then once you make that first feature, then you go, well, it'd be cool to make another one. So I started realizing that I had kind of sat there and enjoyed the process of releasing this movie, but I hadn't really come up with the next idea yet. And so I sat, I, 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 I was in this holding pattern of figuring out an idea, figured something out. It wasn't right. I had it for a whole year before I finally said, I, I think I was moving too slowly, honestly, too. I think I was like uh, resting a little too much on my laurels and, and saying like, I'll figure it out. And eventually just realized that the idea was not an idea. It was, it was, it wasn't fully formed and it was never maybe going to be that way. And I uh, switched and pivoted to what if I set something in the world of martial arts? I've been doing jujitsu now for a couple of years, got my blue belt. That could be something I could get into and really started from the place of, well, what's something I like in life? How can I do that in the context of a film? And why does it warrant being a movie? And at that exact moment, I was also having these questions and uh, conversations with myself, especially when starting jujitsu about if I was masculine enough, if I was the version of society's, uh, sorry, society's version of masculinity or a man and all those thoughts and fears really kind of worked themselves into the story in a way that was fun for me and in a way of exploring something in a, in a, in a path or taking a path that was a little less uh, obvious. And so uh, it really just came from me wanting to do something that seemed fun and related to my life, but then also taking real life questions and problems and, and making, making it say something more than just like a, a martial arts movie. Where would you say, I mean, do you, do you like the idea that film can move into absurdity? Did you have any difficulties like, well, this was my story, but then obviously there's a giant transition, I'm assuming, in what happens with the, you know, quote, bad guys of the movie. Like, was there any difficulties in kind of like just following the character at a certain point? Do you see your personal story as just the, the basic foundation that you can kind of go from there? It was just a basic foundation for me, but um, it really informed the character and it really informed the world. Uh, I never had a problem seeing the absurdity of it making sense or having to track it or uh, balance it. I'd always felt like I had a good handle on where I wanted it to be. Again, maybe not uh, something that somebody else would have done. Like when Jesse's character kicks a tire and that tire explodes, like, is that too much? Is that not enough? That's, those are questions I was asking myself, even in, in the edit of the movie but I always kind of trusted the writer. Like I, I tend to do something where I think about something for a long time and I structure it out and I card everything out and I go to outline. And I'm thinking about that thing so intensely for so long that when I write the script, uh, I feel like that's the best version of my brain's version of the story. And so later on when I'm on set or I'm in the edit, I often, I'll, I'll, like in the edit, you can change some things because you're actually seeing it. But on set, I'll often have to just trust that the writer of me, version of me had this figured out for a reason. And so unless there's some glaring mistake that I missed as a writer, on set, I always just go with what, what the writer did. And uh, with Duel, it was like, 
it, that 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 was pretty close. It, it it felt more like a kick than a punch, though. And then Jesse saying, "I felt it felt like a kick to me too." Like that whole scene on paper to some people might not read as something that makes sense, uh, or or should, maybe it's too much or whatever. But I was trusted that the writer version of me kind of had it figured out and dialed in the tone. So uh, yeah, the the absurdity was always sort of natural for me. And um, that by that same token, though, I feel like that's what really dis or not distracted I would say uh it's what really turned some people off who I went to as producers uh when they would read it and just being like this is too much like I think there's too much going on I don't know if karate is a cool thing and do I want to make the karate movie and and all of that I, I think that the absurdity of it was what made it interesting to me and eventually interesting to the producers who made it at NQ but uh it's what also was a huge turnoff to a lot of people who read it so you may have already kind of answered this. I think you did say your your characters are just emotionally detached. Do you have conversations with the actors about like behavioral comedy? Like the comedy kind of comes later. They don't know they're being funny, obviously. Do you do you have conversations like that or do they pick it up pretty quickly? The actors for the most part pick it up pretty quickly. If there's ever a line that I feel like they're not treating in the way that I kind of saw it being read or, or delivered. I'll, I'll make a suggestion, but for the most part, I think people latch on to that pretty quickly. And uh, if anything, I, I've been very fortunate to work with actors who are pretty like lacking in the ego department. I feel like uh, for, for the better, obviously, that somebody like Jesse or somebody like, uh, like Karen can say, how would you say it? And then I'll give them the bad version uh, with that sort of uh, uh, qualifier and say, here's how I would say it, but I'm also not an actor. And then Jesse was the first one who kind of said, what would you do? And I told him I'm not an actor, but if I did it, it would be like this. And he goes, that's great. Cause I, I am an actor and I know what you mean now. So like okay. he would be able to take my bad version and, and run with it. But um, if there's ever, yeah, I think that there's just a trust thing with everybody. It's uh, uh, you can go back and watch my other movies. Now if we're in a pretty like good position where anybody going forward can go to duel or yard of self-defense or even faults to a certain extent and say, that's kind of how he tends to direct. I'll use that as a baseline. And then if anything's different in this movie, after our conversations, if nothing's, if something's a little confused, he'll give me the direction. And then similarly, I, I these are all really talented actors who are way better at what they do in a lot of cases than I, what I am, what I do. And uh, I'll, uh, even though there are moments where I think a thing should be read a certain way, if they do a reading that's better than my idea, I also don't have an ego about it. I'll be the first to admit it and be like, hey, that's better than me. So let's move on. So uh, it, it's been a good working relationship so far. And I'd like to keep working with people who, who feel collaborative in that regard. Do you see, so I've seen some comparison to, to some of your works. It's like similar to the Coen brothers. I think what they're maybe referencing is like the crime goes wrong and some of the mishaps and the behavioral characters, those type of things. Do you see a specific niche that you're kind of leaning towards when you have ideas? Are they kind of all in the same ballpark? This new one's a little bit different, but do you kind of see a niche there? Uh, I think the, the sad sack like of it all feels like probably what they're referencing in terms of the Coen brothers, because even though something like Raising Arizona is incredibly stylized and overtly funny, it's just a, a wonderful film. Most of their stuff tends to be a little bit more grounded than that. Uh, and they are able to jump back and forth between those things, which I think is maybe a little bit of what people are talking about. Whereas their movies 
can make jumps movie to movie. I feel like their tone is very, very specific. And maybe in something like the art of self-defense or even dual, probably more art of self-defense, they can have a stylized thing, but then a very grounded conversation between Anna and Casey about uh, a locker room incident and that you actually believe that character went through it. And it's, it feels very real. Um, I'll take a compliment of people comparing anything of my stuff to the Coen brothers, but I think that they're on another level and it's, it's, it's just that I don't know that I'll ever even get to that level, but I'm not trying to be them. I'm trying to be me. And if anything like crosses over like, uh, the things have similar sensibilities or whatever, fully I'll accept it. Like that's cool. But um, I think that the space I'm trying to occupy is that darkly comedic space, uh, slightly removed from reality, but never so heightened that you don't feel like there's, there's real humans there. It's always coming from a place of uh, exploring humanity. It just happens to be in a very, very emotionally removed sort of way. Um, and to some people that's off-putting and to some people they feel like they're robots, but to me at the core of every person in my films is still a human being. Where did the, uh, I'm assuming it's just the, the basic plot for the new film, but where did that initial idea come from for Duel? Um, not to be boring, the initial initial idea was me wanting to make sure that I did, or I wanting to do something where a performer acted opposite themselves. I really just liked that plot device sort of thing. And, and yeah. once I knew that I, I had that image in my head, uh, I ended up coming up with the idea that in an alternate reality, if you knew you were going to die, you could have yourself cloned so that your family wouldn't have to miss you. And I felt like there was this sort of sense of sadness there. Um, and also this sort of presumption that your family would miss you, like that, that you mean so much to this world that like, okay, I'll pay for this procedure and, and kind of force that on your family. It, it kind, of, kind of comes from a selfish place rather than a gift for them. But uh, I didn't feel like that was enough for me as a filmmaker uh, to, to warrant the movie. I felt like I still needed something else. Um, and that's when I asked the question, if you went into remission, what would happen? And the immediate answer that I had to that, like without any hesitation was, well, of course you duel your double to the death. And at that point, the movie was the movie. That's when duel became duel. And uh, I feel like uh, very, very quickly came up with the beginning, middle and end, knew I wanted to begin with the duel, knew in the middle of the movie, I wanted to be in this training sort of sequence and maybe have our, our like clone and, and uh, original uh, meet up at some point again. And then I knew exp explicitly what the ending would be. And uh, for better or for worse, that's, that's where it is today. When you make a film like this, um, do you see it as like the present world we're in now, but this one thing is different? Or do you see that you're creating a brand new world because it starts to kind of like snowball from there? My, my intention is always to create a new world. Uh, I, I like to think of it as, like I said, an alternate dimension. that's like just removed from our world where the technology is just different enough and the, uh, the way that people relate to each other is just different enough and the laws that then those people who relate to each other this way, these are the laws that they would create in a world where people talk to each other this way. I feel like all of it's a part of an overall world and I would rather not think of like something like faults takes place in this reality. It's ever so slightly heightened, but just in the sense that people don't fully talk to each other the way that they would in our reality. Whereas the art of self-defense is fully its own world, uh, but still grounded enough that you feel like you can relate to it. And similarly, I want I wanted Duel to be in that same space. If anything, I thought that Duel was a little bit more grounded than the art of self-defense. And it just shows how uh, weird I am that 
now I'm, I'm out there watching it with other people or doing interviews and everyone's like, are you kidding me? Like, this is so stylized and so not grounded. And so, uh, yeah, just shows where we all have different experiences and different backgrounds and, and uh, levels of what grounded would be. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't want it to ever feel like it exists in our world, if that makes sense. Among these three films, have you found any like commonalities and any obstacles? Like, do you like get stuck in the second act? Like, is there anything you've noticed like time and time again that you're still kind of facing? And how do you kind of overcome that? Um, it's funny. I, I think a lot of people tend to think that the movies open okay, but I, I'm pretty hard on myself after the fact always about how I, I open like the first 10 minutes of the movies uh, or of the films uh, I've done. I think are always the weakest part. And uh, I think that the opening opening scenes tend to be really cool. And then I have kind of a lull where you're learning about the character. But I think it's because I'm so used to the way that films are done now that you used to be able to have a character kind of present themselves slowly and, and unravel their life for you. And I guess my brain works that way, but I always uh, criticize myself after the fact for doing it that way. So Duel opens up with a big action scene. Uh, the Art of Self-Defense opens up with a funny scene where Jesse, that's like separate from the rest of the movie. Uh, and then Faults opens up with one of my favorite scenes that I've made where uh, Ansel is, is fighting for a free lunch that he doesn't deserve. And it's all in one take and it's really funny. It sets the tone for this character. Uh, I think that those are all strong, but there's there's something about the way that my brain works where I criticize uh, the opening moments of my movies. And going forward, I'd, I'd love to maybe either get out of that critical space or change the way in which I do it. Uh, but something that I do love is that I feel like all the endings, uh, uh, particularly self-defense and, and dual, I really love the way that they end. And they're not everyone's cup of tea, but they really work for me and they work in a way that doesn't feel forced or, or um, antagonizing uh, that said, I know that uh, they're not traditional or maybe the way that most people would assume a movie, uh, the movies would end. So I'm sure early in your career, when you were thinking about becoming a filmmaker, you mostly saw yourselves making films, a story like Duel, it seems like with the right backing or whatever, this could be an eight episode series. So just based on the idea, do you prefer movies because of the ending you have in mind or is this because you're early in your career what are some of your thoughts about filmmaking versus tv today i mean i love tv i i, I think that the shows that i really respond to i really 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 attach myself to like something like atlanta uh, which is my favorite show on tv i could watch so many episodes of those characters because they're so different and each episode almost feels anthology-esque where uh anything can happen um Yellow Jackets, not anthology-esque, uh, did a really great job of creating this like slightly heightened world um, and really made me care about the characters. And I loved the way that they jumped back and forth between the timelines. Um, and then The Wire, those five seasons of television are just like some of the best things ever put to film. But um, I don't think I'm as much of a TV person as I am a film person. Not to say that I don't want to work in TV and I definitely have intentions Then I, I'm currently attached to direct uh, a pilot for something I didn't write that if it goes would be really amazing. Mm -hmm. But I think that my, my preference is to tie up a story uh, as fast as you can. And so I tend to not leave a lot of fat in my films. I feel like if 
if there's any fat there, it's because you literally can't cut the scene out because there's some bit of uh, information that is either going to come in a later scene or come back at the end of the movie or whatever it is. Uh, I, I'm pretty good about saying, let's get in and get out uh, in the most efficient way possible. And I'm also trying to remind myself, especially with Duel, I, I have moments of breath in that movie. And I intentionally went in there saying, don't have to do that all the time. And I'd like, let's, let's let this moment breathe a little longer. Uh, and I, going forward, I'd, I'd like to do more of that. But television is so long game that it's hard for me to stay excited sometimes sell, uh, um, on my own, not maybe watching other people's things when it's done really well, it's, it's not as hard. But for me, it's hard to stay excited about those same characters and that same uh, story for a long period of time. But that's the beauty of what like these really, really great showrunners do is that they make you feel like it's always new and always fresh and always exciting. There's always turns. Uh, and so if anything, I think it's harder than film in some way, but then I talked to some writers, like a friend of mine, I was just having a conversation the other day and she was saying she thinks it's easier because she gets more time to work with these characters. So I think that there's various levels and, and various uh, thoughts that go into all of that. But my, my tendency tends to be features. We'll just do um, one or two more. You've given a lot of great advice already. I, th I think your advice might be to go out and make it short and kind of kind of find your footing. But for those people who want to be a writer director today, any advice on just implementing an idea or coming up with good ideas and kind of just making the best thing possible before they start to reach out to people and that type of thing? Yeah, I mean, I was guilty. I think we're all guilty of showing people stuff before it's ready sometimes. And whether that's something as simple as a really talented writer, friend of yours, who you know writes good stuff and actually works in the business, sending you a script and then the next day when you hadn't gotten to it yet, them sending you another draft saying, oh, I changed some spelling errors. Like that's a really small version of that, that you just get excited to show and you probably could have waited an extra day if you're sending it the day later. But um, I think the bigger version tends to go along with what I experienced early on, which is. I didn't know any better. I thought my stuff was good. And in retrospect, you're able to see outside yourself and see why it's not good. And so I would listen to people. Um, I'm, I'm bad about it now because I know exactly what I want to do. And I, I do have certain people who, if they give me a piece of advice and I go, damn, if they're telling me this, there's probably something there I should look at. Know who those people are in your life and know that you're getting good advice from people. And don't just take literally every note that you get. And if you get a note that's not good, or doesn't really relate to you in a way that you want to actually go down that path, know that there are people who are going to feel that way and be confident that your decision uh, is the decision you want to make, knowing that there are going to be people who, who will say that this is bad because of this. And so uh, I think it's just owning it at that point. But yeah, I, I would strongly recommend people don't send out early scripts and especially early work in their career to every single person, try to find like one or two people, get those initial notes, get a sense, especially people you trust, get those initial notes, decide what is valuable to you and what you want going forward. And if you get feedback that is pretty honestly, like, I think this needs a lot of work, do the work. If you get really good feedback and you trust this person and you feel like, oh man, I actually have something good. Then I, I see like going forward and, and, and presenting it to more people. 
Um, but it's an, another thing about like, it's one thing to write something and feel really good about it. It's another thing to actually make something and watch it and watch it with people and then have them be able to say, this is a really good short. This works in like kind of every way, or this may have sounded cool on the page or read okay, but like once you actually see it employed or implemented, it's not as good. Like, I think that that, that present, being presented with the facts of a short or being presented with the facts of an actually uh, 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 created, uh, brought to full fruition short film, I think that helps you know how your, maybe your feature would go if it was made into a full film too. So I don't know if that answered your question, but that's a long-winded version. Thank you for tuning in to the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at brockswinson.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.